Amen. Before we look into Philippians 3, once again, I'm going to ask you to join me initially in the book of 2 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Because it is here I want you to see that the Apostle Paul is teaching the church at Corinth something very similar to what he is teaching the church at Philippi, just coming at it from a little different perspective. I want you to begin following along with me in verse 14 of 2 Corinthians 5 where Paul says there, the love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him in this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Beloved, as we look at that passage there for just a moment, what I want you to see is that the Apostle Paul is saying that for us as believers, that the love that Christ has for us is compelling us in how we live our life. And notice what he said there in verse 15, that we are now no longer living our lives for ourselves, but we're living them for him. We live for Christ because Christ is the one who died and rose again on our behalf. As he says, those who anyone, in verse 17, anyone who is in Christ, that person is a new creature. The old things have passed away and behold, new things have come. That person's old values their old ideas, their old plans and pleasures, their desires. And yes, as we have been talking about in Philippians 3, here over the last two or three weeks together, their purpose in life has changed. Because they're no longer living for themselves, which is what unbelievers do. Unbelievers live for themselves. Believers live for Christ. Because He is the purpose of of our life. He is the priority of our life. So with that understanding, turn again with me now back to Philippians chapter 3. And in Philippians chapter 3, we have seen, beginning in verse 12, how Paul is unfolding for us what it is to live life with the purpose of becoming more like Christ. Discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness, of wanting to put away sin and to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And last Sunday when we were together, what we saw is that to do this, we have to have our attitude to be in conformity with the attitude of Christ. That is, we need to make sure that we see our necessary components in our life to where we are, have a lack of complacency. That as we 
are never content with our walk with the Lord, that is, we're never content where we are in Christ, we see that we're always in need of growing in Christ-likeness. That's why Paul said there in verse 12, not that I have already obtained it. I haven't already become perfect. So we need to be finishing the race. And as we finish the race, he also taught us that we have to focus on that finish line, which means we have to keep looking ahead, forgetting what lies behind, and keep looking ahead. That is, looking towards Christ, looking towards that finish line. Now this morning, as we're going to come again, we're going to pick it back up in verse 17. And notice what Paul says here. Brethren, join in following my example. And observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. For many walk of whom I have often told you and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite and whose glory is in their shame and who set their minds on earthly things. Paul here is letting us know that there's something else that is required of us to do if we are going to press on towards Christ-likeness. And it is this. You and I must follow godly examples. We must follow the godly example of others. This is what he's teaching us here in these two verses. Follow godly examples and flee, run, stay away from bad examples. Notice what he says. Go back to verse 17. He says, brethren, which means he's speaking to the whole church. This was the responsibility and the calling on the whole church at Philippi, just as it is on the whole church that is gathered here today. Brethren, he says, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. Follow us. And then when he says there, observe those who walk, that is, fix your eyes. That's what observing means. Fix your eyes on those that are living their life. And notice what he says, according to the pattern that you have in us, according to the pattern that we have established, live your life this way. Come follow us, join us, and fix your eyes on the people around you that are exemplifying this life that we lived. Beloved, we must constantly be looking at and learning from other Christians, godly Christians. We all need spiritual role models in our life. To pursue Christ's likeness requires, beloved, that you are around and involved in the life of other Christians. The Christian life isn't to be lived in isolation. Now let's just think about this for a moment this morning. And Paul says here, join in following my example and fix your eyes on those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. How can we practically do that? How can I practically live and learn from others? Let me give you two ways or two areas or two places that you need to look 
The first one is you need to learn from godly examples that are in print, that are in books, primarily and first and foremost in the Bible. Start with Jesus. Read, study the Gospels. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ is, is the Word, and the Word became flesh, that is, He became a part of mankind, and He dwelt among mankind, full of grace and full of truth. So we get to see someone that lived life full of grace and full of truth. When you read and study your Bible, especially when you study through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you get to see God incarnate there living in the flesh. If you recall over in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1, we are told, be imitators of God as beloved children. What can we learn from Jesus? Well, as a husband, I know I can learn from Jesus, not because Jesus was ever married, because he wasn't, but I also know from what the Bible teaches me through the, the epistles of Paul that I am supposed to love my wife the way Christ loves the church. Wives can learn about submission as they look at the relationship between Jesus and the church. Children who are gathered here today, you can learn from Jesus and his example by first going over and looking back at Philippians 2. Remember where we saw Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to his Father to the point of death. That is, he walked in obedience to what the Father's will was. You can learn from Jesus by going back to the Gospel of Luke and looking at Luke chapter 2 and verse 51 where it says that Jesus lived in subjection to his parents. And he grew in stature with all men and in favor with them. We can learn from Jesus and learn from the model he set for us about love, how to love others. We're even told in Ephesians 5, 2, that we're, how it is that we're supposed to walk in love, we're supposed to walk in the way in which we see in the love of Christ. How about in the area of forgiveness? We can learn from Jesus. We're told again in Ephesians 4, 32, to be kind, be tenderhearted, be forgiving of others, just as God is forgiving of us. God in Christ is forgiving us. That's how we learn. And look again at the life of Jesus. Look at how Jesus forgave his family. You say, what do you mean he forgave his family? Well, if you read through the Gospels, you'll see that initially his siblings did not believe in him. In fact, they somewhat mocked him at times. But they came to believe in him and Jesus forgave them. You can look at the disciples of Jesus. You can look particularly at Peter and how Peter sinned against Christ, denying Christ, and yet... Jesus forgave him. You can look at all the other disciples of Jesus who abandoned him in his most difficult time in life and they ran for their own life and they thought about themselves, yet Jesus forgave them all. You can think about some that were there in that crowd that were 
calling for his crucifixion and those that were mocking him down below, that those that eventually that would repent and put their faith in Christ, Jesus forgave them. You can go back to the thief on the cross, a man that was there hanging for his own death, that was cursing Jesus, mocking Jesus. And then when he realizes he was hanging there next to Jesus, that he was the Messiah and he was the Savior and he cried out for Jesus to have mercy on him, Jesus forgave him. You can look at the life of the Apostle Paul himself. That as Jesus said, he was persecuting him. And Jesus forgave him. And think about your own life. Think about your own rebellion. Think about your own sin against Jesus. And yet Jesus has forgiven you. He's cleansed you. Oh, beloved, we can go back and look at the life of Jesus and learn from Him and follow His example. We can follow His example in suffering. In fact, we're told over in 1 Peter in chapter 2 and verse 21 that He suffered those things as an example for us to follow in His footsteps. Go back and read how Jesus, when He suffered, how did He respond? What was his attitude? What were the actions that he took? Peter tells us he remained silent and kept entrusting himself to his heavenly Father. Start there. But it doesn't need to end with Jesus. In fact, Jesus can be, in some sense, someone that is hard for us to completely mimic because he was without sin, whereas we're sinners. But you can go back and look at the Apostle Paul in Scripture. You can just look here in Philippians and learn from Paul. Learn from Paul's attitude. Learn from Paul's affections here in in the letter he wrote to the Philippians. Learn from his actions. Learn from his ambitions. We see Paul's ambition in life is just to become like Christ. We saw the affections of Paul back in chapter 1 where he had the affections of Christ. We see his attitude and want to be an attitude of Christ. We can learn from them. In fact, if you would for just a moment, turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And notice something Paul says here. First Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 6, he says, talking to the church at Thessalonica, he says, you also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit. And notice what happened. The church at Thessalonica became imitators of Paul and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then in verse 7, the effect of that was they became an example to all the other believers in Macedonia. Do you see how this is like a trickle-down effect? The Lord Jesus Christ to Paul, to the believers at Thessalonica, to the believers in Macedonia. Paul imitating Christ, the Thessalonians imitating Paul, the Macedonians imitating Thessalonians. This is what it is called on us to be and to do, beloved. When Paul says there in Philippians 3, join us in following my example Follow my pattern. 
Look at those around you. But when looking at those in print, you look in your Bible and you find Jesus, you find Paul and other people in the Scriptures. Paul himself says in 1 Corinthians 4, 16, I exhort you, be imitators of me. 1 Corinthians 11, 1, he said, be imitators of me just as I also am of Christ. And again, when you think about Paul asking people to do that, we know for certain that Paul did not think he was a perfect man. He knew he was a sinful man. We just read that and studied that last Sunday morning together there in Philippians 3, 12 and 13 where he says, I haven't obtained perfection. I'm not there. So when Paul is saying, come imitate me, he's not saying come imitate me because I'm a perfect person, no. He's just saying, come follow the pattern of my life. How I pursue Christ. How He's the purpose of my life. Not only that, beloved, we can also look in the Bible to follow the example of other churches. Follow the example of other churches. We just saw that a little bit there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13 he says, For this reason we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God which also performs its work in you who believe. For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea because you endured the same sufferings at the hands of your own countrymen even as they did from the Jews. We can learn as we read and think about the things that Paul has said about the church at Philippi. We can learn from that and want to model ourselves after that. We have seen this is a church that is in hot pursuit of the gospel. He says they are participating in the gospel. They're sharing in the gospel. They're sharing in the ministry of the gospel. This is a church that has a bond that is together. We can learn from them. But not just by learning from those that are in print in the Bible. May I also encourage you to learn from those godly examples that have gone before us that have been written down for us in biographies. Read biographies. Read them. Learn from them. Learn from their mistakes. Learn from their uh, successes and the things that they have accomplished by God's grace. Learn. God has given them to us to learn from them. But beloved, when Paul says there in Philippians 3, join us. Notice also he says, fix your eyes and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. So don't just learn from those who are in print. Learn also from those who are there in person. That's what Paul's telling them. Look around you in the church at Philippi and he says, observe and fix your eyes on people you see that are doing it right. And he says, start following them. Start mimicking them. 
Start modeling your life after them. Why? Because they're pursuing after Christ. They're following in the pattern that we have said, and you just start walking in their footsteps. Now, who would he be talking about? Well, hopefully Paul would have been talking about the leadership in the church. We know over in the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 7, we're told there to remember those who have led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and considering the result of their conduct, he says, imitate their faith. Imitate the faith of those who have led you and spoke the word of God to you. This is why the qualifications for being a leader in the church are high to be above reproach because they're supposed to be an example for others to follow. Sadly, this is why it is so devastating when someone that is in leadership in the church, someone is in leadership in the body of Christ, when they fall, when they step away from true doctrine, orthodoxy, or when they step away and fall into impurity and immorality. Here in the last few months, there have been some men that have done that. One stepped away from orthodoxy, a man that had been a faithful teacher and preacher, a faithful professor, and he got caught up in listening and looking at bad examples, and because he did, he then came to believe that Jesus no longer in his mind was actually God. And he stepped away from the faith. A man that had been a faithful preacher, professor, another man that had been a faithful preacher, and professor, pastor, that it came out that he was being unfaithful to his wife. And the devastating effects that has had on others. I think about what Paul said to young Timothy. Listen to this. Over in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12, he said to Timothy, Timothy, let no one Look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, in your conduct, in your love, in faith, in purity, show yourself an example of those who believe. And he told him, take pains with these things. Be absorbed in them so that your progress will be evident to all. Timothy, I'm putting you here as a pastor and as a leader of this church here in Ephesus. And while you're here, you need to show yourself as an example and your conduct and your speech and your love and your faithfulness. And you have to work hard at this. You have to be consumed with this. Take pains with these things for this to happen so that your progress will be something everyone else there can see. Observe those around you. Let me give you a bad example of that that we find in Scripture. Do you recall over in the book of Galatians in Galatians chapter 2 why it was the Apostle Paul 
had to confront the Apostle Peter to his face? Remember, it's because Peter began to be a hypocrite that he was eating with the Gentiles and then when some folks showed up that were against that, Peter began to step away from them and he wouldn't do that any longer. Remember, Paul came and confronted Peter to his face because he was being a hypocrite and distorting the gospel. But do you remember what happened? It says there in Galatians 2 that when Peter was doing that, that he had an impact and he had an influence on other Jews and he even had an influence on Barnabas. And Barnabas got carried away with that as well. You see, he had a negative example on Barnabas and Barnabas started doing what Peter was doing. We have to be examples for others, not perfection. And even Peter there would eventually show himself to be an example because he would repent of that and begin to do what he knew was right according to the gospel. So when you look at leadership in the church... That's why it's so important to have godly, qualified leadership. We also, beloved, you need to be looking at just other mature saints in the church. Other mature believers in the church. As I think back to this church here at Philippi, there's at least two examples that Paul has given them. He's given them Timothy. Remember he said, I'm sending Timothy to you because he is a man that is of the same spirit that I am and I know how he's going to handle himself and how he's going to teach you the things he's going to do. He's going to be someone you can look to as an example. We also know from Epaphroditus. These were people there in the church. Notice he says there back in Philippians 3, Fix your eyes on those who walk. That is, those who are walking around you right there in the body of Christ at Philippi. Fix your eyes on them. Watch what they do. Watch how they do it. Because they're following our pattern. And you just follow them. But I would say something else for us in this regard would be that we in person want to at times learn from other churches. We can learn from other churches in the Bible. We can learn from other churches even here, churches that are faithful and, and doing it right. And we can grow in our understanding of that. But also, beloved, that should challenge us to want to be a church that would say, Come follow us. Come follow us as a church. Come follow how we do church. Because how we do church is just simply the way the Bible says to do church. We just want to follow the Word of God. But also, when you think about fixing your eyes on others, we're talking about doing that with people there in person. You need to think about yourself. Think about you. You see, this should challenge you to say, you know what, I want to be one of these people. I want to be someone in this church that other people would look to and to say, I want to follow their life. I want to follow their example. I want to follow how they are pursuing Christ. I want to follow how they're living with the purpose of becoming more like Christ. I want other people, I want to be like the Apostle Paul. Not a 
sinless man, but a man that's just pursuing so after Christ that I would be willing, I would never be willing to stand up here and take a microphone and say, I am here without sin. But you should be willing to stand up here and take a microphone and say, but please come imitate me as I imitate Christ. Come follow me. Mimic me. Because I'm just pursuing after Jesus. And yeah, I'm going to sin. And I'm going to mess up. And sometimes it's going to be in a big way. But when I do and I'm confronted about it, I'm going to be like Peter. And I'm going to confess my sin. I'm going to repent of it. And I'm going to get back up. And I'm going to start looking ahead. And I'm going to keep reaching towards that prize. And I'm going to say, come on. Follow after me. Let's just keep going. Think about what Paul says to the young men in the church in Titus. In Titus chapter 2 and verse 7, he says, Show yourself to be examples of good deeds with purity in doctrine, dignified, sound in speech, which is beyond reproach. Beloved, as we think about obviously being an example for those of us that are parents, grandparents, great-grandparents. You want to be an example. You want your children, your grandchildren to follow in your footsteps. Learn from your mistakes, but follow in those things that you have done right. And notice with me, please, go back to Philippians 3, why this is so critical. Why you say, why... Uh, Pastor Bobby, are you making such a big deal about this? Because of what Paul says there in verse 18. He gives you the reason why he wants them to be following his example and fixing their eyes. That is, keep your eyes focused on those that are showing to be a godly example. For many, he says in verse 18, walk. There are many out there that are living their life of whom he says, I've often told you. This is not the first time he's told them this. He's saying, I've told you this time and time and time again. And now he says in verse 18, I'm telling you even again, and I'm telling you weeping about this. This didn't bring joy to Paul's heart to have to tell them about these people again. But he says, I'm weeping for this because I'm weeping for them because he's talking about people here who are deceived about their salvation. He's not talking here about people that are anti-Christian. He's talking in verse 18 and 19 about people who say, I am a Christian. But their life says, I am not a Christian. And Paul says, there's way too many examples out there like this. And you have to avoid that, flee from it. He's talking about people here that were around them. That if you would have asked them, are you a Christian? They would have said, yes, I'm a Christian. But their life, again, he says there, and what's tragic about it, he says there's many. It'd be one thing if it was just a few. But he says there's many that are walking in this way. And that's why he keeps driving them home to them. I often told you, I'm now telling you, weeping. And notice how he describes them, beloved. And I know it is, it is difficult and it is even somewhat 
seems like harsh language, but he calls them enemies of the cross of Christ. Why are they enemies of the cross? It's because they are distorting the gospel. They can help lead people astray from the truth. Notice how he describes them in verse 19. He tells them, tells you about, you, you don't want to follow those who just simply profess Christ but don't actually practice a life of following Christ. Because notice what their ultimate destiny is. Verse 19, their end is destruction. That's eternal destruction. That's the eternal hell, the eternal lake of fire. That's where they're going. It's not that they're going to cease to exist when he says their end is destruction. No, he is saying these people are on a path of living their life and the ultimate destiny of that path is eternal death. And that's why Paul is weeping about this. He knows where they're going unless they get off that path. But notice, again, you don't want to follow their example just look at their desires. He says, whose God is their appetite. They live by the flesh. It's a sensual life that they live by. They're consumed with this. He speaks not only about their desires and their destiny, he also speaks about their disgrace. They're those who glory actually in their shame. The things they shouldn't even be talking about. They should want to hide. They're willing to boldly talk about it in front of others. They're not walking around being bashful about their life that's being lived in open rebellion against God though they're claiming to be a follower of Christ. And Paul is saying they're, look, they're, 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 they're glorying in this. And then he speaks about their disposition, their mindset, when he says, and they set their minds on earthly things. See, they live their, mind, their life by the things of the world, the course of the world, the things of the earth. We're told to set our mind on heavenly things. Paul even says here in verse 20, our citizenship is in heaven. You see, we live... We'll talk about this next time together. We live, in some sense, by a different law. We live by the law of Christ. We live by the heavenly law of Christ. We've already been, in some sense, seated with Christ up in the heavenly places. So set your mind, as Paul says over in Colossians, set your mind on the things above, not the things of the earth. This is why we are called on to fix our eyes on the right examples. Because it is easy to get pulled in by the many examples that are around us that are actually enemies of the cross of Christ. Now the good news is, even for those folks Though Paul here is referring to them as enemies of the cross of Christ, 
The Bible says we're all we're enemies of the cross of Christ before we came to know Jesus as our true Savior and Lord. And that's what we can understand even for these folks, that if they would truly repent of their sins and truly put their faith in Jesus Christ, beloved, they would become a friend of Christ and they would be a friend of the cross of Christ and they would be forgiven of their sins and cleansed of all their sins. But we must be careful not to be influenced and moved by people that are not pursuing after Christ. This is desperately needed in the average church today. This is just as much a part of it. You look to the finish line, but you need to look around you as well. And you need to look around at people that are doing it right. And understand this. Let's just think about this. Maybe for some of you here today, you've had godly examples. Maybe you had a, a godly, or you've had a godly father, a godly mother, a godly grandfather, a godly grandmother. And they have shown you the way they have lived according to this pattern. But you're not following it. You're going off to set your own pattern. You're moving away from that. Oh, beloved, I pray that you would hear what Paul is saying here and fall back in line. Ask yourself this morning as we close. Would you want others to follow you? Would you want them to follow you? Would you want other people to follow you and say, I want to worship Christ the way you worship Christ. I want to study my Bible the way you study the Bible. I want to pray the way you pray. I want to be able to do the things that you're doing for Christ. I want to witness the way you witness for Christ. I just want, what are the things that you're doing? Those are the things that I want to do. Is that where you are? You say, well, can you get there? Well, yes, in some sense you can because this verse then would make no sense. I mean, no way could Paul say, joining, following my example and observe those who are walking around you. Again, not that those people were perfect. There wasn't a perfect Christian in the church at Philippi. There wasn't a perfect Christian that was a part of the team of Paul. But they were folks that were pursuing Christ and just saying, come join me. Come join me as I pursue Christ. And may that be the desire of your heart that you leave here today by God's grace with a commitment and resolve in your heart, asking God to help you to be that example. And ask God to help you to find other examples. And maybe when you find them, go talk to them. Spend some time with them. Ask them some questions. Ask them what they do, what they read.
and grow. Grow in Christ's likeness. I want to ask you to bow your heads in prayer for a moment.